This is a sermon about stewardship. And by that, I don't mean a sermon about our fall pledge campaign. That is coming and there will be time to talk about that soon enough. But the word stewardship in church too often gets used as just a fancy word for giving money. And really stewardship is something so much bigger. Stewardship means taking care of something that isn't yours, something that someone else has entrusted to you. Being a good steward is taking care of something well on behalf of its real owner. Jesus tells lots of parables about stewardship. He talks about servants who are charged with taking care of sums of money while their Lord is away. He talks about a good shepherd who cares well for the sheep and a hired hand who doesn't. And he tells this parable about these tenants who are charged with caring for the vineyard and instead they treat it as their own. It's not just Jesus's parables though. This idea of stewardship is woven throughout the whole story of scripture. In the very beginning of the story, humans are created to be stewards of the planet. In the story of the garden, God charges these first human beings to tend the ground and care for the plants and animals on God's behalf. So for us as a human species, there's this continual question. How are we going to treat what God has entrusted to us? Will we treat it with care, using our wisdom and best skill to help it flourish? Using it well to meet our own needs indeed, while also keeping in mind that it's not ultimately ours, or won't we? Think about some classic examples of bad stewardship. Think about the stereotypical vacation cabin after a party weekend, trashed and full of beer cans. Or think about the stereotypical rental car that gets revved and driven into the ground. Bad stewardship is interesting because it means on the one hand, treating the thing like it belongs to you. Because after all, you get to do what you want with it. But on the other hand, it also means treating it like it doesn't belong to you because after all, it's not your responsibility. You don't have to clean up that cabin. You don't have to service that rental car. And so you get to walk away from it. So there's this special mixture of all the entitlement of ownership and all the irres irresponsibility of non-ownership. And that's the combination that makes for really bad stewardship. It's so easy around us today to see too many examples of how we as human beings have demonstrated that kind of bad stewardship. Obviously, we just finished a devastating week of wildfires, fires that continue to burn, fires that have claimed homes among our own members and among many of our neighbors. And of course, fires have always been part of the ecosystem here in California, but we in this region are all too conscious of just how that ecosystem has shifted decisively as a result of climate change over the last several years. Climate change that we as human beings have created and that we through our leaders have failed to act upon. Collectively treating the world in one sense as if it belongs to us to pollute any way we choose and in another sense as if it's not ours to take care of and so we can hand it back to an agency. Instead of bequeathing it to our children 
and grandchildren who themselves will be accountable to God for their own stewardship. And of course, we've seen a lack of stewardship in our society's response in this country, at least, to the COVID-19 pandemic. We've seen leaders putting partisan posture that can boost a political career of an individual above plain science that protects the common good. We've seen basic public health precautions like masks and distancing made into partisan badges and treated as things that those who are in the power elite can flagrantly disregard, even while telling the rest of the country to obey them. And we've seen that same lack of stewardship as we prepare for an election while our leaders undermine democratic governance and even normalize outright bigotry and violence. It's not hard from where we stand to see all the ways that we as a society are not seeking and serving the common good, that we're not tending the garden, caring for the vines, the way that we were charged, the way that we were created to do. Now, 2020 feels like a very special year, but in another way, this bad stewardship is not something new, not something that out of the ordinary at least not against the backdrop of the whole human story. It's something that people and people's leaders have been doing since the very beginning. After all that prototypical story of Genesis goes on to tell just how those first human beings in that story failed to be good stewards of the garden. And throughout the generations, there have been, of course, better and worse leaders, better and worse stewards, some quite good to be sure. But just as often down through human history, we have seen those in power choosing to use that power to benefit themselves rather than recognizing their stewardship of a greater owner. We read this parable today in the Gospel of Matthew. And in the Gospel of Matthew, the narrator says explicitly that Jesus is telling today's parable to the chief priests and the elders of the people. In other words, to leaders, to people in power, people who are meant to be stewards of God's people, which is the people of Israel on God's behalf. And this parable that he tells is very clearly crafted as a takeoff on an older one from the prophet Isaiah, the one that we heard today. A song of the vineyard that imagines that the people of Israel are God's vineyard. And Jesus even includes identical details like the landowner digging a wine press and building a watchtower to make double sure that his listeners don't miss this reference. And this is a theme that's embedded deeply in the consciousness of the people of Israel, of Jesus's hearers. The Psalm from today plays on the exact same theme. And Jesus's version of this story isn't particularly subtle. There is, of course, always more than one way to read a parable. And we can play with it and approach it from different angles and assign different meanings and different roles to different people in the story. But at least from the way that Matthew's narrator frames it, it seems pretty clear that the tenets in this story somehow reflect these rulers and leaders that Jesus is talking to, these elders and chief priests, these people in power. Now that's worth naming specifically because Christians over the years have often read this parable in a different way. 
Often Christians have chosen to interpret this parable as if the tenants are the people of Israel in general and suggesting that God takes the kingdom away from the chosen people, the Jews, and gives it instead to the Gentile Christians. And as you can easily understand, that interpretation has fed centuries of anti-Semitism to the church's eternal shame. And it's also simply not a good interpretation. Because the way Jesus tells this parable, and especially the background from Isaiah, makes it clear that the vineyard is Israel. And so the tenants, the ones God is judging, are the ones who have failed to care for Israel, failed to care for God's chosen people as stewards. Another interesting thing about Matthew's version of this parable in particular is that Jesus leaves the story unfinished. He actually ends with a question. What do you think the landowner will do to these tenants? And he doesn't say. He lets the chief priests and elders say. And their answer is, well, he will come and kill them. He'll put them to a miserable death. And maybe in that very answer, we see the mindset of these particular leaders, people of violence, people who can only imagine a violent retribution in turn. And so Jesus turns back to them and says, well, God is taking the kingdom. God is taking the governance. God is taking the stewardship away from you. And God will give it instead to others who will bear fruit. Where's the good news for us today in this hard parable? In the middle of overlapping crises, I think still that there is some. For one thing, this parable might tell us that God cares. That God's judgment on bad stewardship is real. It really does matter how we take care of the vineyard. It's not just a rental that can be trashed with impunity. The landowner cares, and God is still in charge. That's a stern kind of good news that may not feel like very good news for the tenants, but is very good news for the vines, for God's beloved, God's people, God's creation, which God will not allow to be abused forever. And I think there's even good news for the tenants if we look deep enough. We might have to go outside this particular parable to find it. Because this is a parable of judgment. This is one of those parables that are told in the last week of Jesus's life after he has come into Jerusalem. It's a Holy Week parable, a parable told in the shadow of the cross. And it points to that crisis of the cross, which is God's judgment on all of human evil. This is a pre-Easter parable. And so to get the full story, we also need to read it in the light of Easter, in the light of perfect judgment matched with perfect grace. In the light of an Easter reality, where some parts happen that don't get told in this parable, where the beloved son who is killed doesn't stay dead, and he brings all those murdered servants back from the grave with him, where his infinite judgment is coupled with infinite mercy, and where even in the end, the wicked tenants may end up being invited to turn around, to change their lives and their hearts, and to roll up their sleeves and learn what it means to serve others, to cooperate with God in a vineyard partnership that produces abundantly for all.